1: Woke up this morning, into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrive, he treats me like commodity. He give me a spec on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over twenty dollars, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. this has got a singing that old don't know value.
0: Welcome to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about customer perceived value, delivering value, and creating value for your customers. Today, I have got one of my favorite people of all time, Christina Giacomo. Welcome, Christina.
2: Hi, Mark. Hi, everyone out there.
0: Well, I normally give a you know kind of an introduction bio, but we decided that we wanted to introduce today's topic by each sharing um, our experiences because. Christina you and I are collaborating on a new project but we wanted to kind of give some background on what each of us did. So Christina tell us what your your background was before collaborating with a knucklehead like me.
2: <laughs> so my background before collaborating with a knucklehead like you and is and I'm and I'm still doing this is I'm a philosopher. So I think very deeply about how people think and I care very much about how people perceive the world, perceive themselves, perceive others, and the quality of their thinking, which to me leads to the quality of their lives. And I am the chief philosophy officer of the Philosopher's Council, which is a group that is dedicated to deep thinkers who want to have a space to share their ideas and uh, be able to have very deep conversations uh, about things that they care about. And then I'm working with a knucklehead like you.
0: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Thanks. Don't leave that out. Um, I um, and and I, of course, am, am a consultant that helps sales organizations, helps organizations in, uh, I seek to really get clarity around the one thing that moves the customer's decision, that is customer perceived value. And in sales forces over decades, I've found that they try to do so many things that they dilute their understanding of customer value. And it's the most important thing. And it's the part of most sales trainings that salespeople do worse. So I want to just say, keep doing all the rest of this stuff. But if you get really good at value, you're going to get really good at sales. And all the rest of that stuff that you do, while necessary, means nothing if you aren't good at value and falls right into place when you are good at value. So that's the two of us, you know, and we've Each in our own practices, we've gotten um, more increasingly frustrated with mediocrity. So tell us about some of your frustration and and what you think mediocrity is. Mediocrity
2: Mediocrity in the way that I've experienced it is choosing to sit on the sidelines when you know better that there's something for you to do or something that needs to be done and it doesn't have to be something grandiose i mean it could even it could even be you know really kind of getting into optimizing your discipline or your morning routine. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, fight the power or anything like that. But mediocrity to me is a very insidious behavior. That's a choice and it is contagious. Yeah. And the reason why I, love the fact that we're actually focusing on it as a topic for our project is maybe 50 years ago, a hundred years ago, 200 years ago, sort of, you know, stewing or sitting in mediocrity might've been okay. Uh, but the world is not like that anymore. Yeah.
0: You know, um, our friend, Stephen Shapiro, uh, has, you know, is famous for saying, I think he even wrote a book, saying best practices are stupid because best practices are somebody else's strategy. Um, what you just said that 200 years ago, you know, Adam Smith talked about the innovation of the, the separation of labor. And that was an innovation. That was state of the art 200 years ago. But now you can do that and be considered average. You're not trying hard enough. Uh, Step forward to what happened during the pandemic and automobile companies that had perfected, they thought that the Toyota method of manufacturing of just-in-time manufacturing and keeping minimal inventories um, decided that during the pandemic when demand was down, they canceled all their orders for chips. Uh, except all of them, except for Toyota, who kept ordering chips because they knew they were the inventor of that best practice. And so they knew that the best pra- what the best practice really was. And everybody else was being mediocre. Everybody else was doing what they thought was the right thing, but was really a watered down version, was really an over a lazy man simplification. Um, I love the definition, or actually the etymology, the origin of the word mediocre. Um, It comes from Latin, uh, medio meaning medium size, and ocris meaning a tall, craggy mountain. So a medio ocris is a medium-sized mountain. It's the easy mountain to climb. You're not staying home, you're climbing a mountain but you're kind of going through the motions you're doing what is the easy part. And that's what mediocrity is. Mediocrity isn't slovenliness or amateurism or schlockiness. It's schlockiness by default. It's doing, it's going through the motions.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And that's insidious. That is, as you said, that's a disease.
2: Yeah. uh, You know, I am not promoting hustle porn here. I'm not promoting, you know, grind it out and, or, or, or anything like that. There's a subtle, there's a subtlety here in the argument that I'm making, that we're making in terms of battling mediocrity. And it is a squandering of the gifts, that we have as human beings, which are many. Yeah. Yeah. We have the gift of intellect. We have the gift of reason. We have the gift of, you know, of intelligence and understanding and emotion and all of these amazing capacities to do good uh, and to make progress. And to me, medi- mediocrity or being mediocre is purposely squandering those gifts and ignoring those gifts in favor of the sort of easy way out.
0: Yeah. you know, And
2: yeah, and so you know, we see mediocrity everywhere. And I feel like the reason why, you know, 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, um, and certainly, actually, am I even, yeah, like in the early 2000s and mid 2000s, um, with the dot com the rise of the dot coms and startups the and and still to this day disruption and disruptive companies the reason why there's so much attention is because they take advantage of mediocrity the mediocrity in an existing space that no longer or kind of goes through the motions in serving their customers are serving their audience with products that they've made over and over again without actually really taking the time to solve a problem. And so to me there's you know they you can do this kind of strengths, opportunities, you know, weaknesses, threats, but you really actually need to take a look at the white space is the mediocre space. The opportunity for innovation lies in the areas that, have, that, that display mediocrity.
0: Yeah. You know, in, in my world, that mediocrity, I, I'm actually giving a speech uh, in a couple of weeks here, and um, they asked me to talk about mediocrity in, mediocrity in sales, and so the, the, the kinds of thinking in sales is, I wanna see more activity, more dials, more whatever, right? I just wanna see you doing more stuff. Not smarter, not better, more. Uh, I, I, can't ju- I don't know how to judge good quality conversations. So just have more of them. Sales is a numbers game and that's mediocre. Slow down to speed up, right? Uh, the one I hate most is drop your price so they'll buy. It's not true. Actually, dropping your price actually causes people to question your value. we I used to work for a sales company that would regularly, when customers would measure the ROI of the sales training we bought, it'd be like 500% ROI. And so dropping the price from a 500% ROI, dropping the price to make it a 700% or a 1000% ROI, that's not the problem. That's not why your deal is stuck because the, the ROI is only 500% in the first year. Um, something else is the problem. And just dropping your price means dropping your prof- profit. Um, the idea of the perfect pitch, right? Uh, let's come up with a great pitch that works for everybody or uh, let's train them without coaching them. We just send them through training and everything will poof a miracle occurs. Um, there's so much mediocrity. In sales and marketing, and you know everybody has it in in every every industry, every trade. But you know that's kind of my world, and so I've been uh, some of my posts, my LinkedIn posts lately, have been really focusing on not settling for the way you learned it from an old guy who learned it from a dead guy, because there's something about it that misses if you don't understand why they did it or why the dead guy did, you're going through some motions and you just don't even know which ones are motions and what the, the real high gain activity was.
2: In, in research, there's two, you know, very, very this is very basic, but two very basic uh, methods of gathering data. There's quantitative data and there's qualitative data. Qualitative data is so much richer and so uh, the insights that you can gather from talking to people, qualitative data, meaning focus groups, talking to people, open-ended, you know, questions on surveys, um, ethnography, going out and actually touching people (laughs) like in like a professional way. But you know what I mean? That's, that's qualitative data. Then there's quantitative data, which has its own purpose. I'm not I'm not downing quantitative data, but it's easier to gather, it's cheaper, it's quicker to analyze. <laughs> it's much quicker to analyze. Yeah. Um, it's easier to become educated in quantitative me- methods versus qualitative methods. And so, what what why I bring that up is a lot of organizations, and this is across the nonprofit, public sector, private sector, even in your own personal sector. It's the qualitative data, the richness, the insights that take work to gather. It's really easy to gather stats and heart rate and calories and so on up to, you know, just j- just doing a quick poll. Are you happy? Yes or no? Right. And that's easy, but the hard work, the effort to actually get. a a non-mediocre result from information and from the world around you takes work and effort and people and organizations in the system is not set up for people to be able to do that uh, in any sort of constructive way. And this is why you get mediocrity filtering into a lot of our to a lot of our constructs
0: and contexts. Yeah, one of the great quantitative minds of the 20th century, a fellow named John Tukey. Uh, This guy was a quant jock. And one of his most famous quotes was far better an approximate answer to the right question than the precise answer to the wrong question. The stuff you can measure easily is often the wrong question. You know, the uh, measuring the number of times you're business development rep dialed the phone versus how many good phone conversations I had, you know, the guy who dialed 70, 90, hundred calls a day, but only let them ring once and then hung up because he knew the dial counter and his bonus was going to get tripped. If it rang once, he didn't even wait for you to answer the phone. He just rang the phone, rang, just dialed the phone, rang once, dialed the phone, ring once, dial the phone ring once. And he was getting bonus out the yin yang because he'd figured out the easy quantitative thing to measure was what he's getting bonused on. And that's ridiculous, but how many times, like that one little error, multiply that times a thousand cuts and your company is dying the death of a thousand of those kind of cuts, if you only measure the quantitative stuff.
2: Yeah. And also you were talking earlier about that that sort of ROI case and you're talking now about like the number of calls and one thing that we tend to forget because it doesn't have face validity and what I mean by face validity is on its face, it's so simple that we don't think it's valid, right? And a big problem in... With, with uh, within organizations, whether it's team engagement, leadership, customer engagement, is the fact that it's very relationship driven. And, you know, but no one, you know, no one really, really wants to put in the effort because relationships are effort. And so, That's why you get these kinds of metrics. That's why you get these kinds of standards and the bars that get raised um, in that particular way. Uh, Because it's not relationship driven, it's numbers driven. So the companies that do it right, the companies that actually really have, you know, they're the best place to work, according to Glassdoor, or they've got a killer, you know, product that's designed you know, from the customer's point of view, they're built around brand and and vision and mission versus like how many widgets can we crank out? Um, they understand how to use the idea of relationship driven activities versus the kinds of activities that you're talking about that you see in your in, yeah. in your world. Yeah, so um,
0: really important stuff. So a year ago, I wrote a LinkedIn article and rather than uh, finding a royalty-free photograph to put uh, as the photograph on top of my my uh, article, I made a little meme with a, a, a quote that said, uh, and it was basically, I think the quote was, strive earnestly to imitate all of your competitors. Which is the you know the definition of mediocrity is and and I signed the quote uh, I assigned it as a quote from a mythical guy mediocrities. and I put uh, a photograph of a statue of an ancient Greek philosopher next to it and you with saw, a funny
2: mustache and big that yeah. he looked really yeah. goofy you yeah. out
0: and so you saw that within minutes of my posting and. Um, like you, you set up a message to me right away, like on LinkedIn.
2: Yeah. We were... I kind of hounded you actually. <laughs>
0: <I> was... <laughs> and and we went back and forth. We had a great time with it. And then we, we just said, oh, we're having too much fun on uh, back and forth messages. So we started talking and immediately we said, you said, Hey, there's, there's more to this than just a, a funny meme. Uh, so we started thinking what there could be. And. um it kind of has snowballed from there to this project, um, the wisdom or the sayings of this ancient Greek philosopher, fictional yet all too real, Mediocrates.
2: Yeah. He's also famous for saying, meh, good enough, which is exactly, (laughs) you know, like what we're talking about. And I think, the, I think the reason why it snowballed into this really incredible community uh, where you know, we have people kind of weighing in on, on situations that they see, where they see mediocrity in leadership, which is kind of where we're, where we're starting is you know, in the organizational space and in the leader, leadership space. And we have to have fun with this because, and, and that's what we're trying to do. This is why we, if you don't with,
0: laugh, you're crying.
2: Yeah, I <laughs> mean, that's, it would be, it would be very mediocre of us to write and produce and create just another business book. Right. Like, so we world, had, to,
0: that's a mediocre that's a mediocrity said the world needs another business
2: book. The world needs another business book. You know, with like a, a very, like a pithy one word title about some strength you're supposed to have. And then it's, you know, a how to through the whole thing. And the, the you seven, get, that, you the, get yeah. that shot of, oh, I read something, but you don't have the, actually-
0: sec- the five secrets of magical growth.
2: Yeah. Like you don't actually gain any insight out of it other than a few sound bites that you can kind of carry back into your next town hall meeting. But what we're trying to do is poke fun at 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 some of the situations that we encounter in life and in work where mediocrity is just so prevalent and, as I said, insidious and contagious that we want to throw ourselves out the window. And there are plenty of people who are striving for excellence who want to throw themselves out the window at the idiocy and mediocrity that they encounter when they're trying to do something good.
0: Yeah, you know, we've all... As soon as you've been working for a year or two, you realize right there, there is just no shortage of knuckleheaded dysfunctional things that companies do. So
2: are you uh, kidding? On I mean, first we, day, I bet you we could put out a call and first, ask yeah. people to be like, tell us about the craziest, funniest, but most uncomfortable thing that ever happened to you on what your is, first day of work. Is-
0: What is your funniest first day of a job story? I've got one. Do you have one? Mine is- I have
2: to think about it, but I'm sure. I'm I'm sure.
0: I I walked into, uh, I got this great job at Lucent Technologies. I was the product manager for the world's first voice over IP, carrier grade, big iron voice over IP calling platform. It was going to change the world. And so, um, you know, I'm just I'm going to meetings left and right my first day, meeting after meeting after meeting, getting to know people and sitting in on all the different meetings that I you know, may or may not actually sit in on. And every single meeting. Two or three times in some of them, somebody would ask, what's the process for? What's the process for? And I came from an organization where you just kind of made things up and you told people what you were doing you, you kind of made your own processes one at a time. But this one was like very regimented. What's the process for this? And so by the fifth meeting, I raised my hand and said, what's the process for learning the processes around here? <laughs> And, and the ranking person, like the the director level who was in the meeting, kind of running the meeting started launching right in and saying, you know, well, here's, here's how you do it. And I'm just like, oh my God, he didn't know I was being snarky or joking. And I don't know now that he was serious. I don't know that it's a good idea for me to tell him. So I let him complete his. And so this company was so process-driven, right? They weren't a for-profit company anymore. They were a for-process company. And it just drove me crazy the rest of the time I worked there. But the very first day, five meetings where one to three times a meeting, people would say, what's the process? What's the process? What's the process? It was <laughs> you kind of so, hear it
2: in your dreams now, don't you? <laughs> and,
0: and so... Um, actually when, you know, as we started getting wound up like this, that first couple of weeks where we said, Hey, we got to do something. We started making up the, all the different mediocre things, right? We said, okay, by the end of, by the end of next week, I want you to think up 25 mediocre sayings. And I'm going to think up 25 sayings. And we'd each done it within like 24 hours. And it it was, it was just scratching the surface. And then we had meetings with other people and we got up to like 150, (laughs) In no time flat and that's when it told us you know there is absolutely a bottomless well this is an infinite well of mediocrity and that's kind of sad and then kind of the the next thing that that occurred to us was hey we aren't the expert on all of these what are we going to do about that
2: yeah and because a very mediocre thing to do is to pretend that you know something when you actually don't. And so we wanted to have people come in and talk about mediocrity in this context of leadership, who've had not only some experience being a leader, but also being having experience in developing leadership uh, and actually seeing these issues firsthand, and I have to say, uh, some of the story, <laughs> some of the stories are so outrageous, but you know, really actually motivate me uh, because. I feel that a lot of the problems that we're experiencing now um, have to do with a sort of mediocrity and sort of narrow kind of seeing things or not really doing enough. And we could all do better. Yeah. We can all do better.
0: Yeah. We can all do better. So. Um, Here's where we are now, everybody, we have got, uh, we're starting, we're going to be launching in the next soon, we're going to be we've got a website up, uh, so that you can get on the website and uh, connect yourself and get updates with uh, as we go to start um, sharing the chapters and sharing these experts so go to mediocrities.wtf mediocrities.com was taken. By somebody who doesn't want to sell it and doesn't want to use it, uh, it it's company, get this for mediocre. It's a company that re- that uh, recycles shipping pallets. You know the wooden pallets underneath yeah. a, a big. So and they weren't mediocrities; they're medio crates. Oh. <laughs> but but oh. it's it's some great recycling company in and they just got it as uh, to redirect and so they're not competing in any way. But they aren't, I mean, they they don't care about they own they own a domain and they don't want to share it or don't want to, you know, it's not worth um, learning about what somebody else is doing. So. so
2: so mediocrities.wtf. That's way better.
0: That is way better.
2: It's cut it's totally way better. I think so. Yeah.
0: Uh, so go on and, and sign up. Um, just give your, you know, give us your name, give us your uh, your digits, and we'll text you with more information when it's ready. Uh it's gonna be a fun look at fighting mediocrity. We we don't just wanna call it out. We don't want to just be whiners. Uh you we've got to get finger you
2: a, waggers. Right. I don't like that either.
0: Yeah, you know, um from the very beginning I thought, man, it's really easy to be funny and it's really easy to take shots. And it's harder to take shots in a way that helps people get better. And I don't, I don't wanna just take shots, um, as fun as that is. But on the other hand, if we're helping people get better, we might as well make it fun. We might as well motivate them uh, through, the, through the use of humor. So um, this has been the f- most fun project. Mm-hmm. I'm having a yeah,
2: you, oh, you know, it's like, you remember how I said to you, this slightly terrifies me. We should do it.
0: Absolutely. That's, you know, I love that. I'm
2: kind thing. of scared of it. We should do it or something like that. I,
0: this, my, this, this makes me slightly terrified, which <laughs> means we must do it.
2: This makes me slightly terrified. Therefore we must do it.
0: Yeah. I, I think that um, that says so much about you. That says something, and I wanted, I love that so much that I wanted that to say something about us and this organization. So it slightly terrifies me. So I think we have to do it. <laughs> um, and so you're going to be able to get mediocrity's coffee mugs, mediocrity's shirts, uh, maybe someday the mediocrity's quote of the day calendar. Um, but we'll also be able to introduce you to our experts and let you buy a book of what, of all these different mediocre sayings. Um, so what are some of the chapters, Christina? I'm-
2: There's-, yeah, there's Just a uh, break,
0: I'm, I'm trying to have a more uh, frequent back and forth between us, so I just- I'm gonna. I'm editing what we're saying right now out, but I want to rather than have long. Monitor, yeah, I'll I'm
2: just drawing me. a blank right now, okay. but um, there's that's what I pay you for. Yes, there's, um, there's no money.
0: There's no money for that. For uh, that, let's focus on your weaknesses.
2: Let's focus on your weaknesses. And the thing, too, really, the broader sort of the broader thing here is the stories and the, the hilarious situations that our contributors and our experts have found themselves in and also what they can, what you can do about it. Like if you're faced with that kind of situation or you're in, you know, you're in an organization that has that, that going on in it, they give you advice on what to do about it. So, um, yeah. Like, I just feel that mediocrities has become our mascot.
0: Yeah, you know, you, yeah. You, I love the fact that you immediately wrote a, a backstory for mediocrities Right? I thought, yeah, he's he's a he's an ancient Greek philosopher, and you know, fictional yet all too real. But you went deep into developing his personality. Tell us something about you know his background so that people get how who mediocrites is or was or
2: so I, you can, can you can consider mediocrates like the anti-Socrates in a way. Um he didn't really mediocrites doesn't really strive for much and doesn't really think that anybody else should either. Yeah. And he he was like a like, so, he
0: was like a student of Socrates.
2: Yeah. And more, he was a, more
0: more than willing to bask in Socrates' glory when things exactly.
2: were Exactly. He's but a when, total coattail
0: rider. But when Socrates got arrested and was going to be executed,
2: poof, disappeared. Yes, exactly. Right. But he had a few he had a few followers who, you know, thought his ideas were were pretty great even though They really were just teaching how to get by without really doing much of anything or contributing in any sort of way. And even he had these teachings where he, you know, taught people to how to to actively undermine other people who actually wanted to do good. And so his, his ideas have lasted the test of time. And you can find him in a boardroom. You can find him in a Zoom meeting. He's there, and uh, you know, you and I have decided to call him out and yep. suss him out.
0: And and in his, to his questionable credit, right? The, the teachings of mediocrities have become more important and more have penetrated our our society much more successfully than those of Socrates and uh, Descartes and Lao Tzu combined, right? Um, Mediocrates is by far the most successful, most pervasive ancient philosophy. That, that's a little scary. That's because, it is. You know, it's, it's a philosophy for every man, isn't it?
2: <laughs> it's it's the It's the middle mountain philosophy. It's not the man on the highest mountain that you have to trek all the way up and get like wisdom. You just have to go to the middle mountain and you'll find, you'll find mediocrities sitting there all too willing to tell you to just, you know,
0: it's a pretty good mountain. It's a good place to hang out.
2: Yeah. You know, you don't have to climb to that other mountain. You just stay here
0: from here on up. It gets really cold.
2: Yeah. And really (laughs) difficult. (laughs) Look how much you can
0: see from here.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let all those other people go up there and and kill themselves over it. From,
0: what you can see from up there really isn't that much better because you can see an awful lot here. It's it's this is yeah. great. <laughs> and it's safe.
2: And it's safe. Yeah. Mediocrities love yeah. safety.
0: Yeah. So, um perfectly normal human interactions but we weren't put on this earth for the medium sized mountains. Uh, we were put on for the craggy mountains. We were put on to do better, to do great things. At least leaders are, um, and we and people want to work for those leaders that want to just be spectacular and have everybody around them be super successful. Um, I, and I, I do. And I want to be that kind of leader. And um, I am so thankful to have gotten through this project, partly because I love to work with you. But one of the cool things that I, you know, I should have anticipated, but didn't was that I get to, I get to interview and I get to talk with all of these high level experts on leaders. And so I, you know, if, if you are the, the 10 smartest people you hang out with. Um, I'm a much better person than I was when I started this project because I'm hanging out with some really great, smart, spectacular people, present company included.
2: Thank you. And, you know, if you join the community, you'll be hanging out with these people too.
0: Cool. Mediocrities.wtf. So um, you can reach us, I think. what What is it? Mediocrities at mediocrities.wtf? At What's the email address? I think so. Yeah. Just put something in the comments with your email. We'll get back to you. Yeah, you know, we'll whatever. get back whatever. to you. We'll just, yeah. We're mediocre still.
2: <laughs> We're still mediocre.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, everybody. Christina, thanks. Anything else we need to get out there?
2: Uh, no, just... You know, get involved and come in and have a little bit of fun at mediocrities' expense. Yep. Thank you.
0: Thanks, everybody. And thanks for joining us on the Value Clarity Podcast, where we remind you that true excellence is understanding what's in your customer's head. So sales, marketing, business, philosophy, all of it is a lot more like brain surgery than you might have thought. Thanks, and have a high-value day.
1: Maybe his current supplier screwed things up, put him up a creek. And I don't know why he wants 4,000 of our gold-plated thingamabobs with the custom unobtainium mojo option. What do you mean the custom unobtainium mojo option cost us more than 20 bucks by itself? Are you sure he knows that? Then why'd he tell me 20 bucks? Well, it ain't easy, cause value's in your buyer's brain If you're selling on only your features, you're gonna drive over you insane And if you ignore your customers' outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues Cause you'll be singing those old, don't know value blues